there's a vaccine person on TikTok, and she said, I've probably had a thousand slices of Kraft American cheese in my life, and I don't know what's in that. I have more confidence in Pfizer getting it right with what they're putting into the vaccine than all the slices of Kraft American cheese that I've had. So it was a perspective that I thought was really compelling because we eat so much and we drink so much and we do so many things that are bad for our bodies. I'm much more confident in Pfizer having been thorough about what they're letting me inject into my body than all the other things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis. My name is Nathan Richardson. I'm an executive at Red Ventures. Currently, I'm living in Miami Beach, Florida, and I'm a participant in the Pfizer COVID vaccine trial. It's been a year since the mysterious pneumonia causing coronavirus was detected in Wuhan, China. Since then, COVID-19 has gone on to become the most disruptive force to human life in a generation. As 2020 draws to a close, there is hope. Early results from a late stage clinical vaccine trial from Pfizer showing the vaccine is more than 90% effective. Interim results from Moderna showing its vaccine has a 94.5% efficacy rate. Another coronavirus vaccine has shown to be highly effective. Britain's Oxford University and its pharmaceutical partners AstraZeneca have published the preliminary... At least three vaccine candidates have now reported that they can prevent the disease. In recent weeks, the Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines have been granted emergency use authorization by the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. The FDA has just issued an emergency use authorization order for Pfizer's vaccine. Now, the Food and Drug Administration granted emergency authorization use for the Moderna vaccine. The unprecedented speed to get the vaccines through trials is in large part due to volunteers like Nathan. I'm Dr. Yella Hewings-Martin, Research Editor at Medical News Today. On this podcast, we'll be discussing COVID-19 vaccine clinical trials, their safety, and any ethical implications. I had read in the press that Pfizer was looking for volunteers for their trial, and I made a calculation that at this point they had 15,000 participants already, and it was a multi-billion dollar company that had a lot at stake and that the chances of the vaccine trial being damaging to me were pretty low. And I thought I could contribute to help advance the need for a vaccine faster by volunteering. Can you run us through your experience? I first submitted my name and contact information on Pfizer's site. And then I was contacted a few weeks later and they asked me to go over and sign some releases, which I did. And then a few weeks later, they had gone and collected all of my healthcare information from my primary care physician and put that into a three ring binder that was about three inches thick. I then at that point was invited to go in for the first shot. They go through a lot of documentation with you. They draw blood. They did a COVID test. Then they moved to warm up the vial of the first shot of the vaccine. About a half an hour later, I got the shot. They ask you to wait for another hour to make sure that you have no adverse reactions. And then they sent me home with a at-home COVID test kit, as well as ensured that I had downloaded TrialMax, which is the vaccine trial monitoring system. So it's an app that 
I report in weekly a diary of whether or not I've had any symptoms related to COVID. And I'm prompted to fill that out on a weekly basis. I went back three weeks later for the second shot. And then I went back again for a check-in. That is the extent of the number of times I've had to go into the trial site. I'm super impressed with the thoroughness and the way that they're going about this. It seems very scientific and evidence-based, and they use a lot of documentation to make sure that they're getting this right. Did you feel nervous at all? And did you feel proud after having the shot? So I was a Peace Corps volunteer as my first job. And Peace Corps volunteers are guinea pigs for a lot of different things. So I was having gamma globulin shot into me regularly as a Peace Corps volunteer. And I was taking mefloquine, which has a weird reputation in the malaria world. So I've taken a lot of things. And I think that I wasn't nervous. So Nathan, the Pfizer vaccine is based on some quite new technology. It's not brand new and people have been working on it for some time, but this is the first time that an mRNA vaccine has been approved for human use outside of clinical trials. Did you know much about the type of technology before you signed up? I did. So I have an uncle who is a scientist And I've grown up with Science Magazine being thrust in front of me every time that there's something that might be interesting to me. And my brother and I are his only nephews, so he takes a keen interest in our health and our well-being. So this stuff was something that he was deep into. And when he heard I was signed up for the trial, I got a barrage of information on it. And he gave me his seal of approval, and that was a pretty good endorsement for me. Also joining us today is Lindsay Slovicek, a pharmacist and drug content integrity manager at Healthline Media, Medical News Today's parent company. Hello, Lindsay. Hiya. Thanks for having me today. Lindsay, what concerns do you think people might have about a vaccine that employs a very new type of technology? That's a good question, Yella. And I think to most people, this technology literally came into being because of this pandemic. When in fact, it's actually been studied and looked at as a potential mechanism for vaccines for several decades now. And because it's been studied so extensively for other conditions like SARS or MERS, scientists were just able to pivot really quickly and apply what they know about that mechanism for those conditions and just apply it to SARS-CoV-2. And that's why it seems new, but it's not technically new. Do you think people have worries about there being particular side effects associated with this type of vaccine rather than other types of vaccine? So I think as far as what people are concerned about with this isn't so much specific side effects from it. It's more just the unknown and the general mistrust in the situation that the pandemic has brought about. What would you say to somebody who's hesitant about having a COVID-19 vaccine? The first conversation you need to have is figure out why. You need to listen to someone's concerns and try to understand where they're coming from and have empathy for where they're coming from about that hesitancy or that mistrust, because often it's related to a lack of information. I think many people are concerned about how quickly the trial took place. It's faster than what we're usually seeing. And I think that often equates to, well, we must be skipping steps or cutting corners or something when, in fact, instead of the study taking phase one, phase two, phase three sequentially like they normally would, those phases were conducted in parallel. 
The same number of people that needed to participate in order to gather the adequate amount of data were all still included in the study. They just did it all at once. It was just in a condensed parallel trial. I would recommend that anybody who is hesitant about the safety of the vaccine to, if you don't have a science background or you don't have a healthcare background, reach out to somebody in your life or ask around if there's anybody in your friends or family's lives who can have a conversation with you and describe what the study looked like, describe what the results mean so that you can make that informed decision for yourself. Or if you do have that background knowledge, go to the FDA site and look at Pfizer's data, look at Moderna's data and see if the risk versus benefit ratio there makes sense for your life. And if that's something that you feel comfortable moving forward with getting the vaccine. So let's talk about side effects a little bit more. Nathan, did you have any side effects? Not that I'm aware of. I could have. I, I had a slight headache that week and I was a little bit off, but I'm a runner and I had had an injury, so I hadn't run for three days. So I, I really can't tell you whether it was the vaccine or me having withdrawal from not running or being psychosomatic. But if it was anything, it was very slight and not at all a bother, like not even worth two Tylenol. I'm curious, Nathan, did you notice any difference between the first shot and the second? No. <laughs> That's the other thing. Is I, someone said, oh, you might have soreness in your arm. But one of my good friends pointed out to me that I rarely have side effects from medicines or shots. And even when we're in the Peace Corps, this friend is like, you were the only person that was never bothered by any of it. So I'm not the bellwether on that one. And I think that that really just highlights that it's going to be very unique to the individual getting it anyways. So Lindsay, how common are side effects with vaccines? Vaccines in general, um, relatively common. I think most people can remember times that they've gotten the flu shot and at the very least your arm is a little sore or you feel a little sluggish that day or the next day. Maybe you experience a headache. It's more rare for someone to actually feel sick or actually feel like they're experiencing fever or nausea or chills or anything like that. However, the data that we're seeing, particularly from Pfizer and the Moderna trial looks very similar in this regard, is that most people will experience injection site pain. Almost 85% of people, about two thirds of people will experience fatigue, headache, muscle pain, that type of thing. But they are seeing that those symptoms resolve either on their own or with something like over-the-counter Tylenol or ibuprofen within one to two days. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine needs to be stored at extremely low temperatures, around minus 70 degrees Celsius, unlike other vaccine candidates, which are significantly easier to store. How will the US successfully deliver the vaccines with their different storage requirements? That's a big question, Yella. I think as far as the logistics, the larger institutions that have the resources and have the logistical frameworks to have the more high maintenance storage requirements, it would make sense for them to have something like Pfizer's vaccine. But for something like your mom and pop pharmacy that's in a rural area, it might make more sense for them to have Moderna's vaccine that is just in a regular freezer and also has a much longer shelf life in the freezer too. So I think it's just gonna be not a one size fits all situation. It's gonna be what works for that particular situation. Pfizer are reportedly considering whether or not to break the blinding of their trials. 
meaning they will reveal who had the vaccine and who had the placebo and offer the working vaccine to volunteers in the placebo group. Nathan, do you have any idea whether you had the COVID-19 vaccine or the placebo? I'm definitely a placebo guy. I really was hoping I would be in the vaccine group, but I didn't have any injection site pain. My headache that I had that week was really mild. Part of me is convinced I'm not in the vaccine group. I'll find out soon enough. But the other thing that I think it's important to understand is that while a lot of people are going to be getting the vaccine over the next few months, it doesn't change the fact that you should wear a mask and take precautions and be careful because until we get to a situation where everyone you interact with is vaccinated or some sort of way of identifying who's been vaccinated, we all, even the people in the trial, need to be taking precautions. And I would also point out, Nathan, I know you said that you were hoping to be a vaccine guy, but I will say thank you because even if you did get the placebo, we need that data. We need to know the difference in rates between placebo and vaccine. So it's still the ultimate contribution to our understanding of this vaccine and the disease itself. So hats off to you. Thanks for saying that. It's interesting. I almost, the press needs to cover some people who have been in the trial because it's young and old. It's people that are doing it because they believe that this is the way to get this advanced. So I give a shout out to all the participants who maybe aren't as healthy as I am or are doing it for the right reasons. So for Nathan's trial, Pfizer have suggested that at the six-month visit, participants will have the option to find out if they were in the placebo or the trial group. If they were in the placebo group, they may have the option to have the vaccine. Lindsay, do you think that's a fair thing to do? Oh, um, given what we know about the scarcity of the available vaccines at this point, there is that ethical debate about whether just because you were in, for example, the placebo group, does that mean when you went into the study, there was no promise that you would get the vaccine because you participated? That was clearly described within your informed consent, the protocol and everything, right, Nathan? That's right. But also the ethical debate exists there that could you be taking away a vaccine from somebody who would be considered one of the priority eligible candidates for the vaccine, given the scarce resources that we have. So it looks like they're moving towards unblinding and providing vaccine for the placebo group if they would also fall into those priority groups outside of the clinical study. Yeah, so I should clarify. So when they did say that if you are a medical worker who's on the front line of the pandemic, you can apply to be unblinded earlier. I did read that in the communication that was sent. So Nathan, if you opt for the unblinding and you were in the placebo group, you'd have the option of having the vaccine and that may be before your normal priority group would come up. What do you think the ethics are around that? So it would technically be like February timeframe. I really believe and I hope that we get this right, that frontline workers are vaccinated within the next month and that the elderly are taken care of really quickly in January is a fast follow. So I think the question of the next batch of people to get the vaccine, which is where people in the trial would probably fall, I would hope as a trial participant, if they said, we need to push this out a month because we still have to get the frontline workers or the elderly taken care of, I would not object to that. <laughs> it would just need to be communicated in an effective way. And I think ethically, most people should 
fall in line with that. But right now there's no communication or national approach and it's, it's really troubling. Yeah, I think one factor that might help mitigate this ethical quandary to some degree is the emergency use authorization of Moderna's vaccine. So the more we do have on the market, the less that resource scarcity ethical dilemma will play in. Thanks both. The concept of vaccine passports has been mooted by some people. Nathan, how do you feel about that? Strongly. Uh, I lived in sub-Saharan Africa for six years of my life, and I always carried a World Health Organization card that had all of my vaccinations and shots and medical information that I tucked into my passport. So having that, I thought was always a really smart thing to do and have because it allowed me to stay fresh with all the things that I could potentially run into when I was in an area that had various things that I could contract. So I feel really strongly that we should come up with something that is either a QR code or something you know near field in a phone that could help people to identify that they've been vaccinated. There's a lot of privacy issues around it that need to be tackled and make sure that it's not used for shaming or for insurance for pre-existing conditions or anything like that. And Lindsay? I mean, I don't see a world where that happens in the U.S., at least not in a mandatory or required manner. I can imagine private businesses or, like Nathan said, insurance companies or healthcare institutions requiring it of their employees or their clients Even just what's happened over the past year alone, I think, has eroded the public's trust in all sectors, including government, to the point that I just don't see that that would ever be something that people are willingly accepting of on a wide scale basis. Thank you. What do you see as the biggest challenge to overcome in terms of the vaccines? Um, For me, it's vaccine hesitancy, getting people to trust and understand the vaccine benefits. And the second one is beginning to gather data on children and other vulnerable populations like pregnant and breastfeeding women. Two things that I think are going to be the biggest challenges are misinformation and disinformation and social media attacks on that. I think it's way worse than anyone understands. And we're going to have to be working really hard to address that. The second one is setting up a national distribution strategy that everyone can get behind, understand, and support because we don't have it today. And we're basically going to create chaos of people going between states to find the vaccine or to game the system. So I think we need to come together and figure out how to do this in a way that's strategic for us as a humankind, not just the United States, but as, as a global community. And also focusing those efforts to ensure that it's done in an equitable manner too. Lindsay Slobicek, thank you. Thank you for having me. Nathan Richardson, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Yella. It's been a delight to have this conversation with you. And thank you for listening. Make sure you follow the race to vaccinate the world on our website. Find our COVID-19 hub at medicalnewstoday.com. I'm Dr. Yella Hewings-Martin, and this is a high-vis radio production for Medical News Today.